Welcome to you wherever you are at, whomever you're with. We are so very glad that you are here with us for a few moments this weekend. Before we jump into our teaching, do want to mention the YouVersion Bible app, absolutely free, downloaded on your phone or device, all kinds of resources. But if you look in the lower right-hand corner of the drop-down menu under events, search for Arlington FM, and there you will find a complete set of notes to today's teaching. Also, when you're in your favorite podcast player, if you would uh, search for Arlington FM Church, there you will find all of our teaching content. Uh, well, uh, we're going to jump right into our series. We're in a series called Let's Get It Started. And, uh, you know, we're uh, really uh, using the changing of the seasons from summer to fall. I hope you're enjoying this beautiful time of year uh, to signal that God changes seasons in our lives. He wants to work in us in new, in ways that uh, meet our needs, that fulfill the desires and the longings of our heart. And uh, our, our point of departure has been this wonderful prophecy of Isaiah uh, speaking to a, a people who were living in exile. They'd spent 70 years uh, removed from the promises of God. I think they were ready for a change. And so Isaiah comes speaking the heart of God and he says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Look, I'm doing a new thing. Even now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. And uh, as we uh, remind ourselves each week, uh, Isaiah uh, gives us some, uh, some of the uh, signs of the season that we can identify these things that God is wanting to do in our lives. It's a God thing. God's initiating it. We're just uh, invited to perceive it, to open up to it. It's new. It's different. It, uh, it's a, a break from where we've been and, and really a catalyst into where we'd like to be. And uh, this new season comes with new direction. God says, I'm making a way in your wilderness, and it comes with new and fresh provision from God. Whatever it is we need to move into the things he has in store for us, God says, I am making streams in the wasteland. Uh, you know, uh, over the past year, we've kind of coined a sequence of words that are, are very meaningful, and they really apply to this invitation from the heart of God through the prophet Isaiah. Uh, the, the four words uh, follow in this sequence, uh, perceive, believe, achieve, and receive, and really what it has to do with cluing in, waking up to the fact that God is active, and we believe it, we couple it with our, our convictions, and then we act on it, we do it, we go in the direction God is leading us, and lo and behold, we receive those abundant things that God is wanting to do. Well, each week in this series, uh, we've asked a rather provocative question that uh, gets us to identify some of those things that would hold us back and hem us in. Uh, week one, the question was, do you want to be healed? As Jesus asked the, the man who was paralyzed for over 38 years. Uh, week two, what do you do with your garbage? And uh, this was really an allusion to uh, how do we deal with those things in us that are still out of order and out of place and need to be restored? Uh, week three was, uh, why do we lie to ourselves? You know, why, do, why aren't we more honest and transparent uh, when the searchlight of God brings to the surface things that, that need, we need help with? Uh, week four, uh, how do you measure success? 
According to John, it was people who uh, experienced the forgiveness of sins, learn how to overcome evil in their own lives, and uh, have this growing knowledge of the nature of God. And then last week, we asked uh, this question. Why do you let negative people set the tone of your life? Why do you let negative people determine the outlook of your life? And uh, each week, uh, John, the beloved disciple, has some things to say about these important questions. And uh, here's the question that we're going to be confronted with uh, from John uh, this weekend. Why don't we live like we mean it? Why don't we live like we really mean uh, what we say we believe? And uh, John is going to kind of put that question right in front of us. You know, uh, John, the beloved disciple, was also known as uh, one of the sons of thunder. And I'll tell you, if you get a nickname like that, you probably earned it. I remember one day, uh, several years ago, I got a phone call from a guy who, who was the facilities director at our church location. And he said, hey, I wanted to let you know, I got in a little altercation down at the church today. And I said, well, what do you mean? Explain to me. He said, well, I went out to my truck to take a little break. And I saw somebody going through my truck, going through my stuff. And uh, when I confronted him, he kind of came at me. I said, what do you mean he came at me? <laughs> Explain. He said, oh, well, we had a little fist fight. <laughs> and I asked him, well, how did it go? He said, well, he won't be coming back for a while. <laughs> he went on to explain to me that he used to do a little boxing in his youth, and uh, he utilized those skills. Well, John known as one of the sons of thunder before he met Christ. It kind of utilizes that in-your-face, sort of abrasive uh, tone uh, to his disposition of love. Uh, Here's what John would say in bringing this question. Why don't we live like we mean it? He says, uh, look, folks, behold what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that indeed is what we are. Uh, John is inviting us uh, to give some thought. You know, if we say we're followers of Jesus Christ, we've been born again. John is saying, hey, stop for a minute and think about it. If the creator of the universe has adopted you into his personal family and he's focused all of his affection, all of his resource, all of his uh, future uh, abilities and hope, He's infused those into us as his children. John is saying, think about the great love that the Father has lavished on us that we would become his children. And that indeed, John says, is what we are. And, uh, you know, if ever there was an opportunity to uh, perceive and believe and achieve and receive, uh, it's uh, what does it mean to be a dearly loved child of the eternal God? And uh, John goes on, he says, look, the reason the world in general does not know us is that it did not know him. It did not know uh, the one who makes us a child of God. You know, here's a free insight just from that comment. If you're looking uh, to the world in general to affirm your identity, you're not going to find it because the fact is the world doesn't know who you are. And uh, only your creator knows who you're really created to be. And uh, John is saying, if you're a follower of Jesus, you've been made to become a dearly loved child of God. And 
you're not going to really get a hold of that uh, externally by listening to the messages of the world. It's got to come a different way. Well, uh, John, he goes on, he says, Dear friends, now we are indeed children of God, and what we will be has not yet become clear. Anybody say amen to that? Uh, we know that we're children of God now. Uh, we have a future and a hope. What we're becoming, we don't quite know for sure, but we know this, that when Christ appears, we will become like him, for we will see him as he is. Now, John is describing a pretty profound miracle, uh, probably the most incredible transformation anyone could imagine. You know, you think of a, a caterpillar becoming a butterfly, and we go, whoa, <laughs> that's a pretty big change. Well, uh, the change that John is talking about it dwarfs that in every way, shape, and form. He says, one day we're going to become like Jesus Christ because our eyes are going to be open, the blinders are going to be removed, and we're going to see him as he really is. You know, John, uh, we've been looking at the Gospel of John, the Epistles of John, and eventually the Revelation of John. In the Revelation, uh, John, he's going through his own exile. He's going through a dark time in his life. Uh, he'd been uh, arrested, he'd been uh, removed from uh, Ephesus, he'd been isolated, on a, imprisoned on an island, and there uh, John describes how Jesus Christ, the resurrected Christ, uh, came to him, and uh, John says some amazing things about Jesus. He said uh, he's a faithful witness, he's the firstborn from among the dead, he's the ruler of the kings of the earth. He's the one who loves us and has freed us from our sins. He's the one who's coming with the clouds and every eye is going to see him. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He's the one who is to come. He's the Almighty God. And uh, as John sees him, uh, he sees Jesus walking among his people, moving among his church. And uh, he's uh, as priest and as king. Uh, John sees his hair is white like snow. Uh, indicating that he's full of wisdom. He's got eyes like blazing fire and feet like uh, bronze glowing in a furnace. Uh, so John is, is seeing Jesus Christ as he really is, risen from the dead. And when he speaks, John said he had a voice that sounded like many rushing waters, like uh, humongous waterfalls. And uh, he says he held the life and the spirit of the church in his very hand. And out of his mouth, John says, came a sharp two-edged sword uh, cut to the quick. And uh, John says, uh, when he saw him, he did what most of us would do. He fell at his feet as though dead. He, he couldn't quite take it all in, this uh, amazing revelation, a clear view of who Jesus Christ is after he had been raised from the dead. And uh, this heavenly Christ it does something amazing. He puts his hand on John, who is laying on the ground as though dead, and he says, don't be afraid. I'm the first. I'm the last. I'm the living one. I was dead, and now look, I'm alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and hell. You know, that's a, that's a pretty amazing glimpse that John the Beloved, also known as one of the sons of thunder, pretty amazing glimpse that John had of Jesus Christ. And uh, John tells us, as children of God, uh, one day 
we're, we're all going to see Jesus as he is. And when we do, we're going to become like him. All the warts are going to be removed. All the chains are going to be broken. All the wounds are going to be healed. All the character defects are going to transition into what we were always created and longed to be. And uh, John's saying, look, if that's our destiny, that's where we're heading. That's our appointed destination. He, he makes this uh, uh, assessment. He says, all who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. You know, there's that word that has shown up two or three times already in John's uh, short letter. Uh, all who have this hope of someday becoming like Jesus, seeing him as he is, as uh, dearly loved children, uh, all who have this hope purify themselves. Uh, it motivates something in them. Uh, you know, that word uh, purify, uh, it, it actually means to make ceremonial ceremonially clean, uh, to prepare in such a way that you're able to be used for sacred purposes. And uh, it sounds like what it is, you know, it's the removal of those things uh, that we would be ashamed of in the presence of a holy God, those things that distance us from God. And uh, I was reminded of um, uh, one summer, uh, one of my favorite jobs, it was also one of the most difficult jobs I ever did, I worked up in, in the woods uh, making hiking trails. And uh, I think we were between the 11th and 12th grade in high school. And uh, one thing I noticed uh, about that group of guys working up on that trail is at the end of the day, we were in need of some purification. And as we hiked out uh, to get in the crummy and head back to town, if we were good young men, uh, the foreman would allow us, when we got along a place on the river where there were rock columns, he would allow us to take a little swim. Uh, now that I look back on it, he probably wanted us to do that more than we did. And uh, you would watch uh, these uh, young men dirty from head to toe, you know, covered with sweat and dirt and uh, bug repellent and crusted blood, uh, dive, strip down to their cutoffs, dive off these rock columns into this clear uh, river pool. And uh, I was always struck by how uh, the first 10 or 15 feet under the water, you'd see this cloud of dirt and impurities being removed in an instant. And uh, John uses a, a similar uh, word and says, look, if we have this hope of becoming like Jesus one day, uh, one of the things it does to us, it makes us live in a sense of always purifying ourselves of uh, letting God uh, show up those things in us that need to be removed, that separate us from him. Uh, now, uh, John goes on to talk about what some of that purification looks like. What are some of the things that uh, children of God get to rid themselves of? He says, look, everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness and uh, what john is saying is that uh, lawlessness is uh, living with this sense that it doesn't matter what occupies my thoughts what fills my heart what directs my decisions uh, so long as i believe a few right things that actually according to john is a spirit of lawlessness it's uh, living without the influence of god's presence in our lives but uh, claiming 
to be in relationship with him. Now John goes on. He says, look, you know that he, Jesus, appeared so that he might take away our sins. And in fact, in Jesus, there is no sin. He didn't need to jump in the river and cleanse all the crud off of him. He never had any in him. And uh, now John begins to bring it home. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. I'd like you just to hear those words again. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. You know, it's, uh, it's important to note here that, that John is not uh, putting a heavy on us and saying, look, uh, if you, if you want to follow Jesus, you're going to have to make yourself pure and sinless. It's not at all what he's saying. What he's saying is that if you've really met Jesus, if you've known him and you've seen him, you want to distance yourself from those things that distance you from God. If you've seen him and you've known him, you want those things to, 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 to be released from your life so that you can draw closer to him. It's a consequence, John says, of being alive in Christ is that uh, it takes away our desire to sin. Yeah, you could say it like this. If sin is not falling away from our lifestyles, it's evidence that we've not seen or known Jesus. If sin is not being separated from our thoughts and our hearts and our actions, uh, it's proof pudding, proof positive that we've not seen or known Christ. Uh, John says, no one who continues to sin has really seen or know him. Well, uh, John uh, goes on. Uh, he says, dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. In other words, don't fall into a, a way of learning or a style of teaching that would uh, dull this truth. The one who does what is right is righteous just as he, Jesus, is righteous. Uh, the one who does what is sinful is of the devil. There's the, the son of thunder side of John. He's saying, look, if, if you don't want to live like you mean it, stop claiming to follow Jesus, because the truth is, the one who does what is sinful is of the devil who has been sinning from the beginning. And just to be clear, John makes this statement, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. You know, uh, that's, a, that's a provocative word, provocative thought, uh, that Jesus showed up on this planet to destroy uh, the work of the devil, which is living distant from God, lawlessness. You know, I, I always love those uh, uh, home fix-it programs where uh, the guys get into the demo stage and uh, they're in there tearing out cupboards and yanking out walls and busting down studs and ripping up floors and they're loving it because they know that's part of the process and uh, if you can take that idea and apply it to the son of god john saying look the reason the son of god showed up on this earth was to destroy uh, any perception that a good life could be lived apart from god that lawlessness somehow is good for us and uh you know, it's interesting, um, 
that destructive phase, it's uh, also used of a wound being healed. That's kind of surprising. But uh, the demolition phase of a wound being healed it immediately follows the inflammatory phase, and it's concerned with removal of dead and dying tissue from the wound. It's something the body does. When the body's healthy, it's how it heals itself. It demos uh, those things that are destructive and that need to be removed. You know, here's a good way to say what John is putting in front of us. Uh, Jesus did not come just to get people into heaven. You may think, hear that and go, well, I thought that was the whole reason he came. No, Jesus did not come just to get people into heaven. Jesus came to get heaven into people. He came to bring the life of God, eternal life of God, and infuse it uh, into our hearts and our souls and where it uh, begins to be lived out and demonstrated in our actions. And that's exactly where John uh, goes in his uh his letter to his friends and to us, he says, look, no one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's very character, the essence of God, God's seed remains in them and they cannot go on sinning because they've been born of God. In fact, John says, this is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother or their sister. And, uh, you know, uh, John now begins to uh, focus his thoughts, and he begins to bring them down to the kind of hard attitude that displays uh, where, in fact, uh, we, we have our, or, our origin, our family of origin. Uh, you know, we could... Uh, come up with our own list and say, well, this is the kind of sinning John is talking about, and this is what disqualifies us as being God's children, and uh, this is what evidence is that we're children of the devil. But uh, John, uh, he makes it very clear. He says that it really all comes down to the way you treat people. In fact, uh, John says, uh, whoever does not love people does not know God. Uh, this is proof positive. This is uh, the DNA test. Uh, John is saying, look, if you look at your, your life, you look at your thoughts, you look at your heart, and uh, if there's love and compassion for people, it's pretty good evidence that you've been born of God. Uh, but John says, if you look at your life and you see that there's some religious activity, uh, but towards people there's resentment, there's bitterness, there's hostility, there's slander, there's a lack of pity and compassion. It's proof positive, John is saying, that you've not seen or known the Holy One. I'll tell you why this matters, folks, so very, very much in our current world situation. is uh, It seems that many, in fact, maybe even the majority of religion has created a scenario where it's okay to claim that we know God, that we're children of God, that we're followers of Jesus Christ, and yet we find ways to marginalize and hate and diminish and devalue people that we don't agree with. And uh, John, the son of thunder, would put that uh, belief system in our face and say, look, that doesn't match with the testimony of Jesus Christ and what he came to accomplish. Uh, John goes on, he says, look, uh, this is not new stuff. 
This is the message that you heard from the very beginning, that we should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and butchered or murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Uh, do not be surprised, John says, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we pass from death to life because we love people. We love each other. And uh, you look at the teaching of Jesus, and it's uh, loving others without borders, without parameters, without measuring sticks. In fact, even loving those who are hostile uh, against you and against the God that you follow. Uh, anyone, John says, who does not love remains in death. And anyone who hates uh, a person a brother or a sister is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. And, uh, you know, maybe you're thinking at this point, I'm glad I'm not a murderer. Uh, but if you look at the teaching of Jesus, uh, Sermon on the Mount, he said, look, uh, if you harbor ill will towards people, if you devalue people, if you slander people, if you're okay with criticizing and uh, you know, writing off people. J Jesus said, it's just like murder, that same uh, hostile attitude towards others is uh, contrary to the very heart of our heavenly Father. Well, uh, John ends this little uh, in-your-face question, like, why don't we live like we really mean it, like we really are children dearly loved children of God and followers of Jesus Christ. Uh, he says um, in verse 16, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for people, for us. As Paul would say, while we were yet sinners, he demonstrated his love for us by giving himself completely. And we also ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. And then he gets really practical. If any one of you has material possessions, and I would say, or uh, heavenly possessions, which are of much greater value, and sees a brother, a person in need, but does not pity them, is not moved towards them, how can we say the love of God is in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but let's live like we really mean it. Let's love with actions and in truth. Uh, you know, uh, before I lead us in a prayer, I was thinking I was, was reading uh, the thoughts, the truth, according to John, the beloved disciple. Uh, I was thinking about when I was a young man and I was lawless. I lived without law uh, toward God and towards people. You don't want to know the things that I did and uh, thought were quite acceptable. Uh, but I remember... Uh, I had one occupation working at a service station. I must have found 50 ways to get money from people that I didn't deserve to have, but uh, it was just one of my ways of living lawless. Uh, the way I drove, the, the uh, chemicals, the influences that I drove under, I should be dead uh, 20 times over. And, and so I literally lived as a lawless person without faith, without God, without hope. In the world, and I remember on one occasion, I met some people who were uh, pretty zealous followers of Jesus Christ, and uh, they had raised their kids, uh, moved out of their home, uh, bought a high-rise uh, apartment in a high-rise building, 
And uh, for some reason, they decided to love me. And uh, I, I remember as I got to know these folks, the way they extended themselves to me, occasionally I had the thought, uh, I must have duped them into thinking I'm a good person. Uh, but they didn't seem to care about that. Uh, all they seemed to care about is that I was a person. And uh, they chose to, to extend value to me. And uh, I'll never forget when I went through a, a really difficult time uh, in my life. Uh, didn't really have anyone to turn to, friends or family. I showed up at their house one night uh, unannounced. And uh, they took me in. They loved me. Uh, they became uh, some of my best friends. And uh, it was their relationship with me that really uh, stirred my heart. Uh, to look at the claims of Christ and to become a follower of Jesus Christ. And you see, it's that kind of love that God has lavished on all of us that we should be called children of God. And the, the one hallmark that he's looking for in every one of his children is that they would extend that same sort of love to others, indiscriminate of who they are and how they deserve it, because that is his nature. Would you pray with me? Uh, Father, thank you for getting in our face. Uh, thank you for this new season that you're inviting us into. Maybe we've been stuck in lifeless, powerless religion for a time. Uh, maybe we've just been numb by the things that our world has gone through and we've had to sort out. Uh, but thank you that you come to us and invite us to, to open up, to perceive and believe and walk in those new things that you are doing. I would pray right now, if anyone's listening to this message and you've never received the love of God, which is lavished toward you in the person of Jesus Christ, but you know you want that, you need that, uh, you just talk to him in this moment and say, Lord Jesus, thank you that right now you're coming to me. Thank you for stepping into my world. Thank you for extending the kind of love to me that I don't